It's been a, a sobering and, and challenging few days, hasn't it? Seems like each morning we're, we're waking up to an, an even more gruesome display of the reality of violence, injustice, and racial division that still exists in our country. Confronted with the, the images in our screens and the, the deaths of, of Alton Sterling, Philander Castile, Lorne Ahrens, Michael Kroll, Michael Smith, Patrick Zamaripa, and Brent Thompson. Perhaps like me, it's left you shaken, bewildered, and heart-filled with sorrow and grief, maybe even some anger and frustration. In the mornings like these, when we wake up and come to that reality, how do we respond to the turmoil? For many of us, it began simply by weeping. It was all we could do, and our tears became our prayers. And this may still be where we're at, and that's okay. We'll probably all be moved to, to lift our voices in prayer as well, and that's what we'll do this morning, and we're doing together today. As we do, I, I think that Psalm 3 can offer us some help as, as we do lift our voices in prayer. Psalm 3, it was a traditional prayer that Israel would use in the morning. And so as a morning prayer, and as we gather together in the morning, it's appropriate to lift our prayers with the voice of the people of God. So if you have your Bibles with you, or a, a Bible app, um, whatever that would be, turn with me, if you were to Psalm 3. Before we even get to the text, I want to draw our attention to the editorial note before it. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Did you catch that? Here's a family so broken, so divided, and so irreconciled that a dad is, is fleeing for his life from his own son. I mean, that, that's messed up. And if we think that that's bad, the backstory of it's even worse. And yet, from this messy, irreconciled reality, a, a prayer goes up and a prayer is prayed. And it's from this context that we begin our morning with. I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed when you walk into Christian bookstores or see online, and you take a look at the, the posters on the wall with the verses on the front of prayer books, and they're often filled with pictures of like white fluffy clouds and, and sun rays going down, or mountains and streams and, and green fields, beautiful are fields and lilies, and it's almost as though our prayers take us to some sort of otherworldly place, lift us up as though... There's a perfection needed, as so they have to take us out of a broken world, and so we have to come with airs and graces and perfect faces. And I wonder maybe if that's why some of us struggle in our prayers, because we don't feel like we fit the picture. 
The truth is, though, about the Psalms is that they're not sanitized. They're written from the brokenness and from the struggles of each day and from the reality of a world marred with sin and violence. It's from this that the psalmist lifts his voice in prayer. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. In his morning of trouble, David's conversation with God starts with an honest statement of his reality. Do you note the magnitude of the problem here by the use three times of the word many? Our situation and our, our current culture might feel the same in terms of the magnitude of the trouble facing us. Oh Lord, how many are our foes? Economic injustice, racial injustice, violence, hatred, and fear. And note that the attack comes not just through the actions of the foes rising against him, but also through their attitude toward him and through their spoken words. It's likewise for us. In verse 2, many said of David, there's no salvation for him in God. Likewise, many people might ask us today, are the current troubles in the country greater than the reality of God? It seems that many have given up this hope, but we must not. In verse 3, the, the psalmist continues his conversation with God, and this time his focus moves from being what's happening around him to focus on God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. It's true we face challenges in this country. And yet we must take an honest look in the mirror and see the evil before us. But with the psalmist, we must still be able to look through the eyes of faith and declare, but you, O Lord. You, O Lord, are a shield, the one who protects us from our enemies. You, O Lord, are our glory. And praise God, because as low as our heads might be right now, and our mourning and our weeping, you, O Lord, are the one who can lift our heads from our sorrow and shame. It is true that in this cultural moment, now is not the time to be silent about the trials we face. But equally, now is not the time to be silent about the God that we praise. As the psalmist's eyes move from the multitude of enemies and toward God, it is the tone of the psalm that changes. Remembering the character of God who sustains him through the night, he looks again at his troubles 
which have actually multiplied to many thousands. But in the sustaining presence of the Lord, he declares he will not be afraid. Church asks us to think and consider, just take a moment and imagine as we consider who God is, what we know and we declare of him. Imagine the change that would come in a country when we truly turn to the Lord and we see him as our shield so we don't have to jump to defend ourselves before another can even be heard. Or when we see him as our glory so we don't have to spend our lives desperately seeking glory at the expense of others. Or to see the Lord as our sustainer so we don't have to fear changes to the systems that might currently sustain us, but not others. And can you imagine the difference it will make if we enter into healthy dialogue with those in conflict with us and do it without fearing them? The country needs reconciliation. It'll come more quickly if we can stop looking at those who we see as different and as someone we need to fear. And this can be. And so we remember who God is. And we let Him be God instead of taking it upon ourselves. Everyone remind himself of, of who the Lord is. And free of fear. The psalmist now lets forward with a passionate prayer. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Because he knows who God is, he cries out, God, be God. Save us. And now as we read these verses, but the words, break the teeth of the wicked, it sounds out of place, doesn't it? It sounds like the call for more violence, which is absolutely the last thing that we need right now. But if we take a second look, We'll notice two things. Firstly, it's God who will break the teeth of the wicked, not an act of retaliatory violence on our part. And the second thing to note here is that in breaking the teeth of the enemy, what's happening is he's removing the means of terror. He's taking away the fangs of the viper or the teeth of the beast. We cry out for God to break the teeth of the wicked. We're crying out for God to remove the weapons, remove systems that maintain injustice, take away the guns that kill, the fear that divides, and take away the mistrust and lies that cause each other to see others as less than human. The man with a mouth full of teeth also can't do much talking. So yes, Lord, silence those who speak words of death and destruction and division. We pray this morning, break the teeth of the wicked, take away the means of evil. The psalm finishes with a declaration and a prayer. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. The question of Psalm 3 is whether the current circumstances are greater 
than the reality of God to bring salvation? The answer's a resounding no. We cry out in prayer from a mess of fractured relationships, but with the psalmist we remember, but you, O Lord, who remarkably didn't remain on his holy hill, but descended into the brokenness and into the pain as our answer, taking on evil and suffering upon himself at his death and defeating them through his resurrection. wonder, did you notice in our New Testament reading this morning that John sees around the throne a great multitude from every nation, from all tribes, from people of all languages, is a current racial division beyond God's salvation? Just like the psalmist did, the saints testify in a loud voice, saying, no, salvation belongs to our God and the Lamb. In Christ, there is a new humanity, united and worshipping together in one voice, and the dividing walls of hostility have been torn down in Christ. This is the way it will be. And it's who the church is called to be now, to point forward as a sign and a picture and a model, prophesying to the world of this reality. And so we pray, Lord, may it be so in us today. Your blessing be on your people. Amen.